What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Sports Melt Podcast. We've got a great episode for you today. We are taking a deep dive into the NFL season. We've already discussed on previous episodes fantasy in depth. I gave you my projections for the year, but now that we're three weeks in, me and Andrew Sullivan, who is once again joining me, are going to dive into the storylines that have happened so far. We're going to talk about the teams that have surprised and are doing well and the teams that have disappointed, and we're going to overreact to the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we're going to give you three overreactions each and tell you are they for real or do we need to wait and see? And we're also going to give you a fantasy update, uh, what we got right, what we missed, and who to target going forward. So that's the episode today. Thank you so much for listening. Let's jump into it. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Sports Mill Podcast. I'm once again joined by Andrew Sullivan, and we are going to discuss a little bit more in-depth about what we've seen from the NFL season early on. Obviously, uh, a lot of exciting things have been going on. I think everyone uh, has enjoyed seeing kind of a full season with with no COVID protocols, especially for fans. Um, and it's kind of been exciting early on. It's not been what we've expected from a lot of the top teams in the league. And so we're just going to jump around the league a little bit, seeing and talk about what we've seen from the early games um, and kind of what we expect going forward. And I'm going to start slowly and I'll ask you about it. Uh, coming into the year, myself included, I thought it was just going to be kind of a, a cupcake walk for the Chiefs to win their division, get back into the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. But we got to talk about them because they have not looked like the Chiefs of old where Patrick Mahomes is just dominating the game. And if it wasn't for the Browns being the Browns in week one, they could be 0-3. So I guess, are the Chiefs in trouble this year? I mean, are you worried about them? Yeah, before before I even jump specifically into the Chiefs, um, I want to point out just kind of the difference in the way the NFL functions in that regard. I mean, if we if you look at a team as talented as the Chiefs in college football, you're expecting them to um, cycle through talent, stick around like an Alabama or a Clemson for six or seven years. And I think because Mahomes is so young, we kind of expected that uh, from the Chiefs as well. And I still think it's possible that that happens. But generally, the the NFL life cycle of teams does not last very long. There's year-to-year turnover, and we always forget that um, – there's going to be some teams that hit on great players in the draft that end up rising up to the top in a few years. And that's what they've run into in the AFC now with Buffalo turning into um, a lot better of a team. Obviously they played the chargers this past weekend and Herbert looks like a real star quarterback. Um, And then Baltimore as well with, with Lamar. So oftentimes looking down the road, it feels like a team is going to run the conference for a long time and the chiefs still have the potential to do that. But, there's always going to be different uh, contenders that rise up in that process. And so continuing to better the team and rise up above those is important. But specifically with the Chiefs, um, I would say that their schedule that they've played is about the toughest three-game stretch you can have going Cleveland, Baltimore, and then the Chargers. I think other than Buffalo, those are probably the next three best teams in the conference. And dealing with that at the beginning of the year, when you're still going through some O-line changes, they pretty much redid their entire offensive line. Um, I think that their defense usually peaks towards the end of the season as well. So I'm not going to write them off. I would probably still have them as my conference favorite, but they've definitely shown shown some flaws to the point where I don't see them as just completely separated from the pack. 
I mean, yeah, I think, you know, there's still a lot of optimism going forward for the Chiefs because they do have Patrick Mahomes. It's early on in the year. But I will say that, you know, especially because they did play three teams that potentially could be in the playoffs, I am worried about them. Um, The defense can't stop anybody. I was looking at some statistics. They're in the bottom half of the league giving up passing yards. And the the scariest statistic is they're second to last in rushing. Um, And so what that allows teams to do is is keep you know Mahomes off the field um, because they're just running the ball down their throats and then also because of Mahomes' big playability and this has kind of been a problem for Alabama over the last couple of years they don't stay on the field long enough as an offense it's either you know big play yeah. touchdown or you know a three and out and it really puts a lot of pressure on that defense and so because they don't have a lot of necessarily you know great playmakers on that side of the ball now they have Tyron Matthew they have a pretty good defensive line but overall they're not a complete unit um I just it worries me coming coming into the playoffs because that's who they're going to face are teams like the Browns the Ravens the Bills and they have dynamic offenses and I just worry that the Chiefs are a little more uh flash than substance um which is funny because they are get they're getting josh gordon now too um but i'm worried that they, they put too much stock in the playmaker side of, on offense instead of what really matters when we know defense is what wins the games yeah i'm, I'm very curious to see how their uh their stats end up looking towards the end of the year because playing baltimore and cleveland those might be the two best rushing teams in the nfl like the ravens have led the nfl in rushing yards for two, three years now. And the Browns, we know with their two-headed monster at running back, how how dominant they can be. So I wonder how much of that is the opponents they've played. Um, but I definitely think, obviously, like you said, those are the teams you're going to be playing in the playoffs. So you got to figure it out to the point where you can at least manage it. And that's what they've done in the past. They've never been a great defensive team, but in, when they went on their Super Bowl run, the defense was just average. And if the defense is average, you can win a Super Bowl because the offense is probably the best in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think they have to also establish some kind of of way to keep the offense on the field. And whether that be – they established the run this last game. Uh, Edwards Alaire went for over 100 yards. But that's one reason they drafted him, and I think that's an important part as well, is you got to keep Mahomes on the field for as long as possible. Um, but moving away from the Chiefs, we, we got a lot to get to. Let's stick within the division and just talk about what's going on in the AFC West because they're last right now. I mean, obviously we're three games in, but the Raiders and the Broncos, two of only five teams that are still undefeated, and then the Chargers who just beat the Chiefs with Justin Herbert look pretty good as well. Um, ha- are you know are these actual contenders, uh, and or do you see a lot of regression coming for for these teams? The Broncos are the one that I'm probably the most cautious about just because if you look at the teams they've played, they've played the Jets, the Jags, and the Giants. So I would be a little more concerned if you didn't go 3-0 than being 3-0 at this point. Their defense is legit, but as they face these young quarterbacks, they've had an opportunity to exploit those those quarterbacks. And I, I they play Baltimore this week, so I'm very interested to see how that defense plays against Baltimore um, I think that'll be a better sign of really where they are as a team. Um, even if they don't necessarily win the game, just being able to prove that they can they can hang with some of those better teams, that would that would show me a lot from the Broncos. But at this point, I still kind of see them as a team that's probably going to miss out on the playoffs. Um, the Raiders, to me, are the one that is the biggest question mark because we've seen this before where they've come out hot and then 
for whatever reason, whether the defense starts to get worse or Carr starts to play worse um, or the offensive line starts to not be able to block, they've had these hot starts before. And then come November, come December, they start to tail out, they flame out, they lose games they probably shouldn't. And so with them, I, it's just a question of can John Gruden sustain this for the whole season? And if they can, I see no reason why they can't make the wild card or win the division. But I'm going to need to see it before I believe it. Yeah, I feel like um, with the Raiders, it's we see this movie every year where they win some games in, in a crazy fashion. Like, you know, they almost lost on Monday Night Football. They won and almost lost and won again. And then, you know, they barely beat the Dolphins this week without Tua. Um, so they're not dominant enough of a team for me to say that, oh, this is going to continue into the year. But I will say, if there was ever a year for John Gruden and the Raiders to make a statement, it's this year because of how deep that division is. If they can find a way to win the division with the Broncos' defense and the Chargers' offense and the Chiefs being you know, who they are, then that's, you know, I think that's going to keep uh, him there for longer than he's already signed for. Um, so I expect you know that to be a very interesting decision. I'm with you on the Broncos. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the answer. And when you have a division with Derek Carr, Mahomes, and Justin Herbert, he's obviously the, the fourth quarterback. Um, so I, I just don't see them lasting in that division very long. Although I could see the defense winning a game, uh, winning several games against that division as well. Um, but going to the Chargers, I mean, I think they're set up, honestly, better than the Chiefs are moving forward. I, potentially. Now, the Chiefs have Mahomes, so they're always going to be in that discussion. But as far as an overall team, the defense is better. And I would argue that they may not have the explosive weapons that the Chiefs have, but when you have Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and uh, Jared Cook and go on and on, you know, you're always going to be able to score. And, you know, I think they're they're right there with the Chiefs for offensive weapons. And we saw that this last week. Yeah, we saw this offseason they remade their offensive line to the draft and free agency as well. As that was a big problem uh, coming into the offseason. So they're, they're maybe the most complete team in the NFL. If you look up and down their roster, they've got really good athletes at every single position. Like you mentioned, Derwin James, Joey Bosa. They've got defensive stars as well. And that's obviously where the Chiefs start to lack a little bit. And I, I loved the Chargers coming into this year. I thought Herbert was – was a real star quarterback based on what I had seen last year. Um, and I've seen nothing so far that deters me from that belief. It looks like the Chargers are a complete team and are ready to compete right now. Um, the question will be with the super young quarterback who's never really had to play in the playoffs before, how he continues to look against better and better defenses. But this is going to be a really interesting divisional matchup for the next seven to 10 years if both these quarterbacks stick around. Because Mahomes, I don't think anyone would argue Herbert's better than Mahomes. But like you said, I don't think anyone would argue that the Chargers don't have the better supporting cast around them. Yeah. And I think, as we saw on Sunday, I mean, the Chargers can beat the Chiefs. Like, that, there's no question about it. And he has the talent to put up Mahomes-like numbers in a game because, you know, Mahomes isn't playing defense against him. Uh, and so they, they go against who they go against on defense. Uh, and so I think, yeah, that will be an interesting matchup for years to come. So the AFC West, obviously very interesting matchup, but that's where we've where we've kind of stayed so far. So Sully, give me another takeaway uh, in the league so far throughout the year. Yeah, so this is not necessarily about a specific team, but I am already tired of NFL head coaches and organizations babying rookie quarterbacks. 
they it's this never ending circle of we don't want to risk him passing the ball a ton. So then we run the ball. So then we get in third and 10 and then he has to pass the ball in a terrible situation. We saw it with the Bears this weekend. We've seen it with other quarterbacks before where coaches say that they don't want to throw their guy into the fire. And what they're actually doing is just making it harder for their quarterback to succeed. And that ultra conservative play calling just puts them in positions that they're not going to be in once they turn into a real quarterback. You're, you're not going to have a good quarterback and run the ball on first and second down every single play. Um, and it's not even just running the ball. The, this weekend with the Bears, and obviously Matt Nagy's probably going to be fired in the near future, they ran the Andy Dalton offense with Justin Fields. There was no change in the scheme they were running for a quarterback that's completely different. And it makes me question why you would even draft a mobile quarterback in the first place if you're going to try to fit him into your system. We saw even with Trey Lance taking, I believe, just one snap on Sunday night. And they bring him in, bring the running back in motion, and just run a quarterback sweep to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. And they would never run that play with Jimmy Garoppolo. They completely change the offense when he's in the game. And then Fields is back there getting sacked nine times because they run the same exact scheme, and they're expecting him to throw from the pocket in his first NFL start. Um, that's just one example of that. But these NFL head coaches have to realize that they have to adjust to the players that they have rather than trying to fit the players who have not been around long enough to do that, to fit them in. They have to realize they can't fit them into their scheme right right away. This is such an interesting discussion because I've heard a lot about this on, on stuff that I listen to. And I heard one, I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody said that they thought that what we've learned so far about the rookie quarterbacks is that none of them should be playing um, right now. Like even Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Because of how bad they've looked, like he he said, I've now believed that no rookie quarterback should play early on, especially because of how I, bad of teams they are. I I would say if you're trying to win games, that's probably correct. Yeah. Um. I I think it's valuable just to get those guys experience, especially Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. I mean, those teams are fine going one and fifteen and just getting another great draft pick to supplement those quarterbacks. So, I really think it depends on your position. I I think. The 49ers, sure. Like, if you don't think Trey Lance is ready, then wait. Wait on him as long as you need to because you're trying to win a Super Bowl, right? But those other ones, as long as you're winning is really not a real priority at the moment and you're just trying to develop a young roster, I would say go ahead and let them play just because they're going to learn more playing than they would not. Um, I tend to believe that you can't really ruin a quarterback. They might look worse, but we saw with Sam Darnold, who I mean, we're going to talk about the Panthers in a little bit. He, he still looks like, he, the skills we saw in college are now showing in Carolina, and it doesn't look like his time with the Jets ruined those skills. It just looks like it, it just looks like they hid those skills because he was behind such a terrible offensive line, didn't have weapons. So I would tend to believe go ahead and play those guys if you have the chance to, but just go in with realistic expectations and play to their strengths because it it, it seems like these coaches aren't really evaluating the players for who they have. They're just what they want them to be. And I think you pointed out exactly why I think what that guy was getting at is because, and you, you talked about it in your, your first um, argument about Justin Fields, is they get drafted by these teams to be their quarterback. And they say, you know, we're drafting this guy to be our guy going forward. And then they don't put him in a position to succeed. Um, you know, we saw that with Sam Darnold. You brought that up. You brought up Justin Fields. Um, you know, they, they acted like he was Andy Dalton, and obviously he's not Andy Dalton. And I think that's just the case of Matt Nagy is stubborn, and 
he really still doesn't want to give the offense over to Justin Fields. But, you know, we see these rookie quarterbacks come in, and instead of trying to develop them, as you mentioned, into what they can do and their strengths, and I will say I think the Ravens are a great example of doing this the right way, is that, you know, they had Joe Flacco, and they said, you know, know what, we're, we're going to go with the bigger, the home run play here, Lamar Jackson, and we're going to, you know, do what we're going to model our offense around his strengths and you don't waste that talent and I think a lot of these organizations waste these quarterbacks talents and pretty much essentially waste that pick because they are afraid uh, as you said to to change their offense to make it to fit them instead of you know what they want and so I think we're going to see a lot of these quarterbacks struggle um in for the rest of the year and especially for somebody like Justin Fields, if there isn't an overhaul of how the offense runs, and I think, like you said, Nagy will get fired, so it's probably going to happen, um, then we could see a lot of these quarterbacks end up getting traded from their original teams, and then like Sam Darnold, seeing success. And it's sad, because like you're saying, their their talents aren't, you know, just, they don't disappear. They're just being, you know, squandered by these teams that draft them. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be honest, like I was not the biggest, Fields fan coming into the draft like I did not see him being a great NFL quarterback but based on the game on Sunday there's no way if I can tell if he's a good quarterback or not because he's just sitting in the pocket getting killed over and over so these guys have to be put in situations where they can realistically succeed um, and going back to the Ravens example you gave obviously that's the most extreme example because Lamar is such a different player from everyone else but you're right. I mean, they brought in they got they had a three tight end set they ran consistently because they just wanted as many big guys on the field to block as they possibly could get. They prioritized receivers that could run block. They got a deep running back core, which obviously has been depleted this year. They they formed their offense around him. They completely changed their offensive scheme. They basically run the uh, they Greg Roman is their offensive coordinator who was also in San Francisco when Colin Kaepernick was there. Um, they ran a very similar offense then with that running quarterback. Um, so they completely reformed everything that they could to make Lamar succeed. And that led to an MVP. So that's, that's what you have to do when you're, when you're a team trying to build around a young quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, great example in the Ravens, but I think this is really simple, but yet it's so hard for these prideful NFL coaches and coordinators to understand is that it makes sense, but you got to do what your player is best at. And a lot of times we see the coaches that try to implement their scheme and, you know, they say, oh, he's going to bring in his scheme and change it. And then it's like, no, you, you do what you, your players are good at. I mean, and, and we see the best offenses in the NFL, they have coordinators who let them do what they're best at. You know, you think of the Mahomes, you know, you think of Josh Allen who can chunk it down the field. I mean, that they've, they've started to implement an offense that they're – best at um and that's how you score points so I think that's a good discussion for these rookie quarterbacks because that's what they're gonna have to find I mean we've seen a lot of struggles from Zach Wilson from Trevor Lawrence and obviously they're on terrible teams so it's hard to know what to even try to do to help them um but you know they're gonna have to find ways uh to to exemplify their strengths instead of their weaknesses um so let's I'll move back into more discussion of overall teams and I'm going to move to the other side of the conference away from the Chiefs uh and talk about a team that I called going to the Super Bowl alongside of them and this one it actually looks better for me and that is the Rams because there was a lot of hype coming in we've talked about it on for fantasy purposes for team purposes Matthew Stafford coming over from the Lions you know he's been this elite quarterback if you will 
but he's just on Detroit. And so is LA where he's supposed to go. And through the first three weeks, it looks like they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. He's found himself a you know stud wide receiver in Cooper Cup, which to my dismay, I wish he would look at Robert Woods some. But, I mean, Cooper Cup has scored like every time I look at the box score, he's scoring another touchdown. And they're putting up 30 points a game, and they just beat the Buccaneers by 10. So, I mean, this is pretty simple, and, and I think you know we, we would agree here. But is this success going to be sustained? I, I mean, do they have the, the talent in place and the coaching in place to run this to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think I think it can be as long as they stay healthy. They're probably the most top-heavy uh, team in the league on defense. They're they have, in my opinion, the two best defensive players in football, in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Um, and then on offense, they've turned into a complete offense now with Stafford being able to push the ball down the field. So their problem is just going to be if some of those guys get hurt. Otherwise, I think we will see them continue to sustain this but they don't necessarily have the depth to continue to build off of that if some of those guys go down. But th- this connects really well with the discussion we just had, I think, because what we've seen already, which was what I was hoping to see from the Rams, is that Sean McVay has a system, but he changes that system based on the quarterback. He knew Jared Goff could not throw the ball down the field, and so he didn't run those plays that he had saved. But now he knows Stafford has one of the best arms in the league. So we've seen them push the ball down the field to Deshaun Jackson multiple times already and capitalize off of that. And so that to me is good coaching. That's you have a scheme that you like and you like to run those plays, but the plays you choose to run out of that scheme are based on the skills of your players. And we've seen so far that's worked because the Rams still are able to run that intermediate game with Cooper Cup and hopefully getting Robert Woods more involved. They're able to run the ball with their good, they have a solid offensive line. And then now they're able to push the ball down the field. So they're turning into a complete offense because McVay is willing to do that and Stafford is unlocking that for him. Yeah, I think you hit on it exactly right. You know, the difference between Stafford now and or the Rams now with Stafford is that they're unlocking his potential and they're unlocking their offense's potential. And they're they're putting him in a position to succeed. But also those skill players, we're seeing them in different roles than we have. Uh, and even though I complained about Robert Woods not getting a lot of touches, other players like Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, Tyler Higby are starting to be used in different ways than they were with Jared Goff. And I, we talked about that division and how difficult it was going to be. And through three games, you know, it's not set in stone, but I think it's already starting to work its way, it's work itself out for the Rams to succeed because the Seahawks do not look very good. Uh, they just lost to the Vikings, which the Vikings are a good team, but. You got to beat them if you want to win that division. And then, you know, the 49ers are solid, but I don't think the Rams should view them as, you know, this juggernaut they can't be. And then the Cardinals are undefeated, but I haven't really seen anything from them that makes me think, you know, Super Bowl contenders. So I think the Rams definitely now should be the favorite in that division. Um, and, you know, it's it's a, it's Super Bowl mode, especially with the superstars that they have. Yeah, I agree. The Niners are a good team, but they don't look like the same team that made the Super Bowl a few years ago. They're not as deep on defense. They're struggling to find good cornerback play. Um, and then the offense, while good, is not the same dominant rushing attack that it once was a couple years ago. I still think the 49ers will probably make the playoffs because they, just like McVay, they have a great coach in Kyle Shanahan and um, a well-functioning offense that seems to always put points on the board. But the Rams high in talent to me just stands out over those other teams. Um, the Cardinals, 
just are all always seem to be a little inconsistent. They have a, they have a couple good quarters and then they have one bad quarter, and you can't beat great teams playing that way. Um, the Seahawks probably are the most frustrating for their fans just because they have these ex- offensive explosions and where they hit a couple deep balls, and then it feels like for a full game they just can't get anything going. And I wonder how much of that is um, on the quarterback, Russell Wilson, how much of that's on the offensive scheme, because we know Wilson's always trying to hit that deep ball. He throws probably the prettiest deep ball in the NFL, um, but sometimes that's not going to be there. And last year, once the last year, once the Seahawks started facing teams that played two high safety looks, their offense completely sputtered because they weren't able to hit, throw the ball deep down the field. And so they're going to have to figure out a way to just take what they can get, continue moving the ball, and then allow their defense to step up a little bit. Yeah, I was watching the game yesterday. Not well, I was watching the score, and they got up seventeen to seven. And I was thinking, you know, well, Seahawks offense is good today, and then you know they lose thirty to seventeen. So obviously, something happened in that game where the offense just runs out of gas. And you know, I don't know whether it was the defense changed and they just didn't adjust, or you know, just bad luck and, and weren't able to capitalize. But there's some serious questions there, and the defense is is not like what it once was, and and they certainly give up a lot more points than what we're used to seeing a Seahawks defense, you know, early two thousand tens giving up. So Wilson has to be able to you know account for those for those wins with with his arm and with his legs and and with what they do on offense. But to go back to the Cardinals, because this is also something I want to hit on, Kyler Murray, you know, coming into the league was highly questioned. You know, people wanted him to go play baseball. You know, is he worth the number one pick? And I would say he's definitely worth the number one pick because he is, in my opinion, he's the most dynamic player in the NFL. And I want to get your take on him in general. But is he the hardest player to scheme for in the NFL? Obviously, Mahomes has the talent. But I think, you know, Murray has a little bit more of a running dimension than him. So is he the hardest player in the NFL to play against? Yeah, he may be the hardest player to prepare for just because you think about Lamar, right? You have to plan so much based off his rushing ability. Um, if you, if anybody watched that game against Detroit this week on that fourth and 19, if you watch that play, one of the reasons that Watkins is able to get open across the middle of the field is because they've got a QB spy sitting right in front of Lamar on fourth and 19. They have a QB spy. And so it frees up another guy that's on the defense who's occupied now guarding Lamar instead of playing playing coverage back there. And then obviously with Mahomes, his arm talent is so good that you've got to cover parts of the field that most quarterbacks, you don't even have to worry about him making those throws. And Kyler, to me, obviously he doesn't merge all of Lamar and Mahomes' abilities, but it's that middle ground where – he has the speed to make you worry about it. He has the speed to make you leave a QB spy on the field. But then when he gets out of the pocket, he's still able to throw on the run. And playing against that as a defense would be almost impossible because it feels like you're going to give something up every single time, no matter what that is. So he has the ability, obviously, to hit you from both directions. I don't know if he um, is – and a lead enough thrower at this point for me to say he is the most dynamic player. But if you just look at the skill set, it's hard to de- hard to deny that fact. Yeah, he's definitely got some weaknesses still in his game. But I think what makes him so hard to defend is with Lamar, well, he can do this too, I guess. But with Lamar, when he scrambles outside of the pocket and gets going, he's still looking to throw. But I wouldn't say you're as scared about the throwing as, oh, he's going to run for an 80-yard touchdown. The thing with Kyler Murray is when he gets out of the pocket and he's scrambling – 
you don't know if he's going to run for 80 yard. He could run. He's fast enough to run for an 80 yard touchdown, or he could throw it over your heads to. And we've seen him do that, you know, plenty of times early in the year to a number of his receivers. You know, every week it seems like they have a different leading receiver, so they have the weapons around him. Um, so that offense is 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 scary, and and I think we're going to see a shift, which we already have, but. You have to be able to do both, I think. And a lot of these teams are going to look for players who can run and throw, even if they're not the greatest like quarterback presence in the pocket, just because it gives you this element on offense that is so much harder for a defense to defend rather than somebody who's just purely a throwing quarterback. Yeah, I think Mahomes is probably the best example. I know we've brought him up a lot, but Mahomes is not very fast. Like if you if you look at his top end speed, he's not that fast. But he just knows how to move around in the pocket and get outside the pocket and still make throws. And I think that's the most valuable thing because if you're looking for guys like Lamar and Kyler, you're probably not going to find very many. Like those are the elite of the elite athletes, and there's not going to be one of those players available every single year. But if you can still find a guy that has the ability to move around at the level that Mahomes can, where he's not going to run, he's not going to have track speed but he can get away from the defensive lineman and still make a throw. That I think that's the new blueprint of being able to make plays last longer and find open receivers. I think it's a good point. Um, and hopefully, I think with them, it's all about uh, defense because Murray's going to put up points, but they have to find a way to stop people. Um, and they've, they've almost lost games early on because the defense is inadequate. So I think the Rams, as we mentioned, Cardinals are good. Offense is scary, but the Rams should definitely be able to handle them. Um, all right, so we'll move back to you. Uh, give me another takeaway uh, from the NFL season so far. Yeah, so early on, uh, multiple quarterbacks, people were a little worried about um, two of them being Josh Allen and then Aaron Rodgers. And last week, I think they proved that they are both back in full force. There's nothing to be worried about with these guys. Uh, first of all, with Allen, I don't know why this is, but there seems to be such hesitation in crowning this guy one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I guess it's just because he came in such an unfinished product that people can't get over the fact that he has gotten so much better. But even after a couple games where the offense wasn't doing great, there was already a lot of chatter about was last year a fluke? Was 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 Dayball just carrying him and now teams have figured it out? But after this game on Sunday where they destroyed Washington, I don't really see how you can can argue that this is not going to sustain over a long period of time. He's still able to throw on the run like we were talking about earlier, and he's got an absolute cannon of an arm. His accuracy has improved so much from the time he got in the, into the NFL, and his ability to make plays on the fly, make decisions on the fly, um, is elite. So with that, I think it's hard to deny at this point that he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league because of his ability to improvise. Um, and then with Aaron Rodgers, this was more of almost like a mental concern, I guess, than a – a physical concern, but there was a lot of questions about how much he really wanted to be in Green Bay. Um, is he really going to care that much about this season? Has he kind of checked out? And I think we saw on Sunday that once you get those competitive juices flowing out on the field, that's really just not going to happen. With, with NFL athletes, it's really hard to go out there and not care. And we saw that on Sunday. Rodgers played a great game, led the game-winning drive. And the thing that stood out the most to me was his emotion on the sideline after the kick goes in. Like he, You could tell he was really fired up that they had come back and won that game. And I think that's a good sign for the Packers, just that he still, even if he leaves after this year, he's still bought in on this year, and he's still doing everything he can to win the SEMA championship. Exactly right. And I think you hit the nail on the head for both players. Josh Allen is extremely good quarterback. I don't have anything to add. I think you, you know, summed it up pretty well. 
for Aaron Rodgers, um, he looks like the old Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. It seems like when he needs to. But I will say, I over the three games uh, that I've seen so far, my thoughts are that the Packers are the same team. I I don't. When we this is obviously independent of Aaron Rodgers, some, but. In week one, they get blown out by the Saints. In week two, they play the Lions on Monday Night Football. And, you know, they win easily, but they give up, you know, a, a good chunk of points and yards to the Lions. And then last week, they barely beat the 49ers. And Rodgers throws for over half his yards to Devontae Adams every every week, it seems like. You know, he hit Aaron Jones on Monday night a lot for, for a good bit of touchdowns. But from what I've seen so far, this team, no matter how much Aaron Rodgers cares, and that's important. I mean, I'm not going to... I downplay the significance of that. I have not seen anything from them that makes me think that they're going to make noise in the playoffs. They just they just don't have that I don't know how what to call it, but they don't have that it factor. Like every game's close, they don't look dominant and then they're just like Rodgers, please go save us. And it doesn't really look like they're a complete team. Yeah, once a year at the end of the year it always feels like that defense just gets gashed by somebody. I remember a couple of years ago, it was the 49ers when Jimmy Garoppolo attempted eight passes in a playoff game, and they ran for over 300 yards, I believe it was. There's been games in the past where they played – this was almost 10 years ago probably when they played the Cardinals, and the Cardinals almost put up 50 on them. There's just been way too many times where the Packers have gotten to the playoffs and then their defense has failed them. Um, you think about last year with the Bucks, that deep ball going into the half, that should never happen. And, and that's one of the many reasons they lost that game. And so there's always that little bit of an unknown with them of just can they actually play a complete game in the playoffs and allow Rodgers to go win a game for them? Because that's all you have to do with him. If you give him an opportunity, he's most of the time going to make something good happen, like we saw on Sunday night. But he just has to get that chance for, for them to be a real contender. At this point, I still don't see them above teams like the Bucks and the Rams. Yeah, it just feels like when you're watching a Packers game that it's just so – it almost feels like a high school game. I don't, and I don't mean that like they're not an NFL team, but it's just watching Rodgers and Devontae Adams do their thing, and they're so much better than everybody else on the team. And then it's just, well, if Rodgers can somehow throw to one of these other players, we hope they catch the ball. And it's, yeah, it's just like it, they're not a complete team, and up and up against these more dominant defenses, and especially when they play a good offense, I don't see them holding up. But I do agree that Aaron Rodgers carrying is important, and it's it's sad that this is probably uh, going to be the, his last dance with with that franchise, and they'll they'll be moving on uh, after this year. All right, uh, we'll close our takeaways by talking about um, two divisions. I'll talk about one because it contains my favorite team, and we'll talk about another one because it contains yours. <clears throat> um, after the early part of the season, you know, I think. For the Cowboys, that's that's obviously who I'm a fan of for the NFC East. I think there was a lot of concern coming in, you know, who was going to win this division? Were the Cowboys good enough? And through three games so far, especially after last night, if the Cowboys don't win this division, I'm going to be very upset because it, it looks like a clown show for these other teams. I mean, the Eagles can't even stand up straight on offense last night. Um, and then the Giants or the Giants and, and the Redskins, you know, they're they're a capable team, but the defense was supposed to be their strong their strong point, And they look like the weakest unit on the team. I mean, Heineke looks like the least of their worries. And, you know, he's a quarterback that's barely even played in the NFL. So the Cowboys have that dynamic offense, uh, you know, with the wide receivers that they do, with Ezekiel Elliott, with Tony Pollard, you know, outproducing Elliott almost. And the defense leads the league in takeaways. So 
if you're a Cowboys fan, and I know several people that are, you know, if we, we should make the playoffs this year. I think this is a playoff team. And even though we are in a weak division, we're a better team than I think a lot of people gave us credit for. We took the Bucks down to the wire week one. Could have won the game if it wasn't for Tom Brady uh, leading a drive like Aaron Rodgers did on Sunday night. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm excited that the Cowboys could be in contention to make it to potentially the NFC Championship game. I don't know if they make it to the Super Bowl, but uh, definitely should be a, a good a good bet to win the NFC East. Yeah, the Giants, you can pretty much write off already. They're just bad again. They There's nothing I would worry about with them. Washington, I thought was going to be a good team coming into this year. Their defense has just fallen off a cliff. I don't know what's happened with them, but looking at the roster, they should have a good defense. Like They have enough talent to where they, they should be able to figure it out. So I wonder if they'll be able to get back on track. But right now, they are really struggling. Obviously, Buffalo is an elite offense, but still giving up that many points should not happen if you're that good of a defense, regardless of who you're playing. Um, and yeah, with, with the Cowboys, I think their defense has shown to be better than la- a lot better than last year and maybe even a little better than people expected. Um, Trayvon Diggs put on a clinic, clinic last night. Whoever he was covering, he was locking them down. Uh, Micah Parsons has shown his, a ton of versatility early on. They've played him at edge. They've played him at linebacker. He's been really good at both. Um, he led the league in, uh, I believe, quarterback hurries last week. Um, so he's, he's turned into a really good player early on, and that defense is um, still young but developing well. And I, I think they could be a complete team by the time the playoff comes around. Um, their defense probably will not be on the, a Super Bowl level. But with, with that offense, with, with that many skilled players, you don't need a great defense. So I, I think they are a real contender. I think for them, and, and they finally got this going last night, it's going to be huge that they don't put all the pressure on Dak. You know, last year he had the capability to win them a game, um, even though their defense was terrible. And, you know, he was just having to do everything. Last night and early on, it's been huge, I think, that they've established Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard as much as they have because that takes the pressure off Dak. He doesn't have to throw for 400 yards like he was last year. And if they can continue to do that, then, you know, that keeps your defense, you know, off the field. And it also, you know, allows you to score a lot of points. So I'm really excited about their offense. Obviously, they still have some question marks on defense, but, you know, they have some growing playmakers. So excited to see what the season holds for them. But we'll close on the takeaways to go. Probably, honestly, this might be a just as interesting of a division as the AFC West, where your Ravens reside in the North. Um, what's going on with that division? I mean, there's so many teams in there that have so many different storylines. But, you know, how do you see your Ravens so far? Obviously, just won a huge game with the 66-yard field goal. Um, what's the outlook for that division right now? Yeah, I think it's pretty close to how I saw it coming into the year. Uh, coming into the year, I thought the Browns were going to be the best team and the Ravens would be right right behind them. And then there would kind of be a gap between them and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, who I thought were pretty close together. Um, starting at the bottom, Big Ben looks completely washed. Like he, It does not look like he should be playing much longer. It, it would not surprise me if in the next two or three weeks he's, he's benched for either Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins because – it's rough out there, man. Like he cannot move. He can't make accurate throws anymore. He's just, it it looks like the game is just sped up too fast for him now um, with his age and their defense is good enough for them to, to be a legitimately good team. So I would really, I would not want to waste this season if I was a Steelers fan and trying out someone else at quarterback, maybe the answer. Um, I would probably rather try Haskins just because I think we've kind of already seen what Mason Rudolph is at this point. Um, At least with Haskins, 
a lot of his issues were off the field. So if he can figure that out, I do think he still has potential to be an NFL starter. Um, but they're, they've just got to figure it out on the offensive side of the ball because I, I know a lot of people love Najee Harris, but that he didn't make that offensive line any better. And so there's, there's still a big issue on that offensive side of the ball with the line and the quarterback. Um, and then with the Bengals, they're, they're talented. I love Burrow and Chase. That connection is, has already proven to be um, a very fruitful one. But they, I still think that their, their offensive line is probably not good enough. They're a little young. Um, so I'm not really buying into them as a divisional contender, even if I think they probably will win seven, eight games, have a solid year. Um, and then at the top with Cleveland and Baltimore, I give Cleveland the edge just because I think they have a little bit more talented of a roster. Um, they have, like we were talking about the other day, they've got three tight ends, two running backs. Baker's a, a, a solid, good quarterback, a good offensive line. Um, they're starting to get some of those receivers back with Odell Beckham coming back from injury. Um, and I believe that defense um, is talented enough to get a ton of pressure on the quarterback, with my, especially Miles Garrett, who could win Defensive Player of the Year this year. Um, I think their defense is good enough to win games for them as well. Um, so I, I would side with the Browns being a little better than the Ravens, especially with how many injuries and COVID issues the Ravens are continually dealing with. Um, that's kind of how I see the division unfolding right now. Yeah, I think you, know, you did a really good job of explaining what we've seen through three weeks because – you know, the Steelers won their first game against Buffalo, but it was defense. It wasn't because Big Ben was just an amazing quarterback or the offense was great. And so we've seen that play out over the last two weeks where, you know, Big Ben's almost a meme for how bad he is. I mean, I think you've seen that video probably that's gone viral where he throws like the shovel pass and then just falls on his face. Um, and, it's you know, his athleticism at this point is that of a, gr a grandfather. Um, and so it, that division is interesting because there's a lot of pride. You know, the Steelers aren't just going to lay down. They've never had a season under 500 uh, under Mike Tomlin. And I think that's in jeopardy this year because that division, they haven't even played a division game yet. Or, yeah, I think that's right. And They lost to Cincinnati, but they haven't played either of the oh, two good right. divisional teams yeah. yet. So, I mean, you got four games left against, like you're saying, you got four games against the Ravens and the Browns left that you haven't even seen yet. Yeah, so they did, they did lose to the Bengals. But, you know, I, I don't think they make it over 500 this year. With the Bengals, I don't trust them enough. Like, that offense is just not – it's good, but – they don't score just a ton of points, and they actually have a good defense. So, you know, they're serviceable on that side of the ball. But like you said, compared to the depth of talent for the Browns and the Ravens, it's just not enough. And with the Ravens losing as many players as they have, I think you have to give that uh, nod to the Browns. Although I think, you know, Lamar is dynamic enough, and the Browns are the Browns enough that you could see the Ravens, you know, win a couple games from them or win a game from them and end up winning the division. Um, so it'd be interesting yeah. to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I mean, if you look, like the Ravens are still the betting favorite. So it, it would not surprise me at all if they come out of this division. They've they've been able to run the ball really well on Cleveland every time they've played them. And they've had Cleveland's number for a while now. If you look back at some of the games they've played in the past two years, a lot of them have just been absolute blowouts, like 38-7. Um, I know a lot of people remember the, the famous Lamar uh, poop game on Monday Night Football where – um, all the conspiracy theories about him running back to the bathroom. That was, that was an instant classic as well, but they've had the Browns number for a little bit now. So if they can, even if they're maybe not as good of a team, if they can continue to take those head to head matchups, it'll be really hard for Cleveland to overcome that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're exactly right. And, and Lamar, you know, he, I don't know if he's taken a step forward this year, but he definitely looks more uh, determined to make plays with his arm. 
and with his legs now. And he's kind of added that, you know, I think he's scarier throwing the ball. And so their offense could be more dangerous than ever. And it's kind of just sad that, you know, they lost the weapons that they did in the backfield. Um, and so that, that, you know, watch for those games on the schedule. The Browns and Ravens are probably going to be uh, more of the, some of the more interesting games of the year. All right, so that's going to do it for our early NFL takeaways. Uh, we'll definitely talk about this more going forward because the more the playoff picture comes uh, together, you know, we'll obviously have a, a little bit better idea of who the Super Bowl contenders are going to be. But now we're going to kind of just go into some hypotheticals here, and we're going to overreact to the NFL season. Um, ESPN does a great article on this as well, so I thought we would – do kind of our own overreactions. How it works is, is I'll have three. Sully will have three. And then whatever the statement is, I'll let Sully know if that's an overreaction or not an overreaction, and he'll let me know. Uh, so, Sully, I'll let you go first on this one. Give me your first overreaction. Yeah, so this first one I have is based off fantasy, and then the other two will be more based off the, the season. But my first overreaction is that Cooper Cup will finish as the wide receiver one for all of fantasy football this year. Uh, not a, not an overreaction. <laughs> and as a Robert Woods fantasy owner, I I can agree probably even more so than you because I'm like, oh, this week, you know, they'll, they'll guard Cooper Cup. They'll throw it to somebody else. And then every week he goes for 100 yards and two touchdowns. And there seems to be this connection between Matthew Stafford. And my roommate was telling me about how he heard this, like, Matt Cooper was was eating breakfast with Stafford every day at the facility this offseason and they're throwing after practice and so it seems like they just have this really great dynamic and I don't see no matter who they play you know he throws under underneath routes to him he throws deep balls to him I don't think you're going to see a game where Cooper Cup doesn't get a lot of volume yeah I, I agree I think we didn't realize how complete of a receiver he was because of the limitations of their offense before he was very much so limited to just kind of underneath crossing routes that um, that caused us to think of him as just that receiver. And so far, he's proven that um, his route running skills can play down the field as well. He's an elite uh, possession receiver, and he's got that great run after the catch ability. So um, I still would not think of him uh, football terms wise in that top, top tier of receivers with like Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill, some of those other guys. But he has proven that he's he's better than everybody thought. And fantasy-wise, with how explosive that Rams offense has been, it would not surprise me at all if he ends up being the best receiver of the year. I think because of the weapons they have, really quick, we'll, we'll move on. But um, he may not lead the league in, like, yards per game. He's not necessarily going to have, like, a ton of just an inordinate amount of 150-yard games. But because he's such a good touchdown catcher, and whether that be he's quick enough in the red zone to get open or he does have that explosive playability, he could lead the league in touchdowns pretty easily. So I think that's what's going to carry him potentially to that wide receiver one. Um, my first overreaction, mine are all pretty pretty much team-related. Uh, we've already talked about this, but the Chiefs are going to finish in the bottom half of the ASC West. Yeah, I definitely think that's an overreaction. Um, if you had said that the Chargers were going to finish up ahead of them, I would say that's very realistic at this point. But as we mentioned earlier, I'm not as big of a believer in the Raiders and the Browns just yet. Um, obviously, the Chiefs are two games back on those teams, so they are kind of digging out of a little bit of a hole. But they haven't played those teams head-to-head -head yet, so I think they have a chance to make up some ground pretty quickly and also have the tiebreakers over those teams. So at this point, I would I would say that is an overreaction. Um, but they are not in a great position right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, you know, 
I overreacted and that was the point of, but I think it's, yeah. it's good to start thinking about, um, you know, these chiefs team isn't just dominant. Like they're not, I don't really see them blowing out any team because they're not going to be a, well, I say that their offense can score 50 and blow out a team, but their yeah, defense they have is, certain quarters where they just put up like yeah. 30 on you and then you're, you're out of the building, but the yeah. defense isn't good enough against a good team, I guess is what I'm saying because they had chances to pull away from the Ravens and then they just didn't. I mean, they just couldn't do it. And the defense continued to give up, yards to Lamar until finally uh, you know Mahomes made a mistake or I think Alaire fumbled at the end of the game and then you know there it is that you know the Ravens the Ravens end up pulling out the game all right go ahead and give me your second overreaction yeah so my second one is division related and at this point I, I think the NFC West and AFC West can get six combined teams in the playoffs so whether that be um so I believe that there could be three teams from each of those divisions that end up getting in. Um, so with that, um, that would entail the Chiefs, the Chargers, and then maybe the Raiders or the Broncos making the playoffs. And then the NFC West, that would entail just three of the four teams that all look pretty good so far with the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. Um, I think it's the, the NFC West, it's going to be really unlikely that this happened. I know we mentioned earlier on the podcast that they could even get four. I think that's just a little unrealistic because one of those teams will end up on the bottom of all those interdivisional games. But um, getting three teams from both those divisions into the playoffs, I think is a real possibility with how hot some of these teams have come out of the gate and how talented some of the other teams are in those divisions. Yeah, I would definitely say that's not an overreaction because – I was thinking about this the other day. I haven't really thought about the NFC, and that's kind of what I'm trying to think about here. But with the AFC, there's not really a, a, a good second team in any of the divisions except maybe the Ravens division because that East is terrible. Like, the Patriots were supposed to be good, and I, I have to admit that I've missed on them from what I've seen so far. But the Dolphins don't look very good. The Jets are horrible. Um, so the Bills are really the only team I see getting in from that division. Then you move to the division over in the South, and the Colts have busted so far. The Jaguars and Texans are horrible, so then the Titans are the only really good team I see in that division, which pretty much means that the West is going to have to get three teams in, or maybe the North, but that one's definitely not an overreaction. In the in the NFC, um, the only thing that I could see happening is if you have like the Panthers and the Buccaneers and the Saints all kind of battle it out, and because the Panthers have started three and zero, and then you move to the other side and like the Vikings have looked okay, so they maybe could get it. So I mean, I definitely think that the three best teams for the wild card are in that um, NFC West. So I would say it's not an overreaction because it could definitely happen. I just think it's a harder path maybe for them to get that many teams in. Yeah, the, the NFC is definitely a more difficult path just because you have some of those some of those teams that will be able to make a run at the wild card in other divisions. Yeah, so yeah, that's a good. It's an interesting one to think about as well. All right, my second one is the Rams and the Bills are the best teams in their respective conference, not the Bucks and the Chiefs. I would I would say it's not an overreaction to think that at, at this point with how explosive the Bills' offense looked. Um, I would probably still lean Chiefs, but they're with the way that the, that Bills offense looked and the defensive improvements we've seen on the defensive line specifically so far. Um, I don't think that's an overreaction at this point to think they're the best team in their conference. I think they were poised to make some improvements coming into this year um, and become a little bit more of a complete team, adding a little bit of a run game. Zach Moss has looked pretty good so far. 
I mean, that's a good sign for them because last year all they did was throw the ball. And you want to at least have a little bit of balance, even though passing is usually more efficient. Um, and then on defense, they've they've started to add a little bit of a pass rush as well. So um, they're they're a team that I definitely think can compete with Kansas City and 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 beat them in the playoffs. Yeah, and it, you know, it's still it's hard for me to fathom the Bills like being a good team and making it to the Super Bowl just because that's never happened in my lifetime. We obviously know in the nineties the the four falls of Buffalo, but. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to see them in a Super Bowl. So I'm kind of hoping they make they get close this year. Uh, all right, we'll get to our final ones. What's your last overreaction? Yeah, so we kind of mentioned this earlier when talking about the wild card, but um, this is probably the one I have that I least believe, um, but I think it's fun. So you look down at the NFC South, the Panthers 3-0, the Saints 2-1, and um, and then you got the Bucks as well. I believe they're at 2-1. and um, my last overreaction is that the Bucks are going to lose the division. They are going to be a wild card team coming into the playoffs this year. So what, what that entails is um, I believe a little bit of uh, complacency from them coming off a of Super Bowl, um, not with some of those veterans resting them in the regular season, not overworking those guys a little too much. Um, the defense, especially their secondary, continuing to struggle. Um, and then teams like the Panthers and the Saints proving that they are real playoff teams um, with the Panthers, they've got the statistically the best defense in the NFL so far this year. And that's a really good sign for them after using all seven of their draft picks uh, last year on defensive players. That's making a difference early on. Um, we saw after JC Horn went down with an injury, they traded for CJ Henderson from the Jaguars to try to fill that void. Um, so they're being aggressive, trying to, trying to contend this year, giving up draft capital. And I believe they traded Dan Arnold as well to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and then you look at the Saints, and Jameis has still made some mistakes, but his passing yards are in the 100s, like, every single week. And to me, that's a good thing. That means they're running the ball well. That means that they're using Taysom Hill in, in opportunities that they have and then converting in the red zone when they can and letting their defense, which is the strength of their team, go to work. And so with what I've seen from the other – teams in the NFC South I don't think it's out of the picture that the Bucks end up being a wild card team rather than winning the division yeah I mean I you did a good job of justifying your overreaction uh and I definitely could see it happening I definitely still think it's an overreaction just because the Buccaneers looked a lot worse <clears throat> last year in the regular season and they still ended up winning the division or no they didn't that's a lot the, the Saints did but the Saints don't have Drew Brees anymore um Sorry, but anyways, I think that the Buccaneers have shown this year that they care about winning these regular season games, and they just ran into a Rams team that is really good, and that's the only reason they're not 3-0. and <clears throat> So I definitely think that they're still, they have the best unit in the division, and that is their offense. And the Panthers' defense has looked great, and I just don't trust Sam Darnold enough yet with, with that offense, and I don't, I don't trust the Saints' offense enough because we saw when they played the Panthers, it looked like Jameis was the old Jameis and he was so inadequate that you couldn't even put him out there. Um, and so while I definitely see one of those teams making the playoffs and potentially winning, winning a playoff game, I think it's still the Buccaneers division to lose, but that's what this is for. And, and I like that overreaction because it's something we aren't thinking about. Like, wow, the Panthers are three and O, you know, could they end up winning that division? All right. My last overreaction, I, I hit it on this, how bad they've been so far, but they've been more bad. I think than anybody else thought and that is about the Jets. So my last one is the Jets will not win a game this year. No, this is not overreaction. They look terrible. Like they, I feel bad for Zach Wilson, dude. Cause I mean, I know he's not playing that well, but 
he's got nothing. Receivers aren't getting open. He has no time in the pocket. And the, one of the stats I saw the other day that I thought was really interesting was that most of the rookie quarterbacks are leading the league in time to get rid of the ball. And that's a problem when you don't have a good offensive line because you're, that means that not only are you taking a long time, but you're getting pressured in that time. And that's why we've seen so many interceptions from him early on. He's trying to make the plays that he made at BYU, and his team's just not good enough. He, he doesn't have the skill level around him. And so he's going to really have to get used to working with less talent, being a little more conservative and reining that in um, as the year goes on. I would say their defense has looked okay enough that it would not surprise me if they win a game. But at this point, um, it, it looks rough for them. And 0-16 certainly feels like a possibility. Yeah, and just to correct you, 0-17 now. Um, oh, that's right. But that's right. I don't think people realize how hard it is to go 0-17 and, and like lose every game. But with it's just it almost seems more impossible for the Jets to win because of how bad their offense is and how like volatile Zach Wilson is. And I, I can't put all the blame on him because it's it's just schematics. I think at some point it's the Jets being the Jets. But it, it's they're just so bad. Like even though the division is poor, I could see them I could see them winning a game against maybe the Dolphins. Maybe. Because if if Tua stays out for an extended period of time. But even then the Dolphins defense is so good, I think they could pick him off like six times. So I mean it's just it's just sad because it's – are we looking at another Sam Darnold situation is what I'm worried about, like where he comes in and they just don't even give him a chance. Yeah, that that's the biggest concern for me is that they are going to ruin this again. I think, obviously, it's in his first year, and we're kind of recognizing this problem ahead of time at this point. And so I think they hopefully should be able to figure it out and acquire enough draft capital by the point Wilson is in his second or third year. Um, probably third year to where they have a real team, um, but it's, it's looking rough early. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Um, they do have some easier games. They play the Falcons, they play the, uh, the Texans, they play the Jaguars. So there are some games in there where those are winnable games, especially the Jaguars probably is the most winnable. I would say if I had to bet, I bet they get at least one of those, um, but they're, they're definitely not better than any of those teams. Yeah. And that's interesting they play the Jaguars uh, because that's going to be a a pretty funny measuring stick, I feel like, for Lawrence and for Wilson. It's like who's who's is worse so far and whose team is worse. Um, and I think that'll probably be, even though it won't matter, that'll be a pretty prideful game for both those players. Well, I will say it probably will matter because the loser will probably get the number yeah. one pick with the way things are looking. So there might be some – there's no way that the NFL teams will – tank at that point in the year but there there might be some more incentive to lose that game than there is to win it and go get Kayvon Thibodeau or another whoever you want at the top of the draft yeah yeah and you know we talked I've, I've discussed rookie quarterbacks a lot on this on this coming in and preseason they looked good but it's we're starting to see why they were drafted to these bad teams it's because these teams are bad um and so that's the takeaway i think early on for a lot of these rookie quarterbacks all right we're gonna that's gonna wrap up our overall nfl picture and we're gonna close today's episode uh by doing a more fan oriented segment we obviously did a big episode on fantasy football um a couple weeks back and now that's obviously started with the nfl season 
And so we're going to kind of update what we think going in, what we got right, you know, what we've been disappointed in as far as player wise. And we're going to give you some players to target now on the waiver wire. I'll start. Uh, we won't we won't spend too much time on this, but some players to target right now. And I'll take care of the injury side of it. I mentioned look for injuries in you know these big big players type you know situations where a guy like Christian McCaffrey has just gone down I don't really know how long Dalvin Cook's supposed to be out for um, but look for their backups Alexander Madison is Dalvin Cook's Chuba Hubbard is um, Christian McCaffrey's and even though you may not get those players for the entire year because they'll eventually you know be replaced once they come back that can win you a couple games during the middle of the season where they still get a lot of volume because you don't want to lose that part of the offense especially a guy like Alexander Madison. I think he had like 25 points this week in fantasy. Um, and so just, you know, pay attention in leagues where, um, you know, maybe the waiver wire isn't as active and you can go get one of these players who is, you know, filling in for a star. Yeah, we saw last year with Mike Davis coming in for the Panthers. He he immediately turned into a top fantasy running back just because of the way that they play. And he was getting almost all of the touches. So, Hubbard, I would see as doing a very similar thing for them. Obviously, McCaffrey, I think, is only supposed to be out for two or three weeks, but McCaffrey wasn't supposed to miss as much time as he did last year. So he's shown in the past that sometimes it takes him a little longer to get back than expected. So Hubbard, especially, I think is a really good add. Um, a couple other guys that I had uh, listed as well, um, Kirk Cousins and Emmanuel Sanders, they're kind of the other end of the spectrum where these are guys that have been good players for a long time and um, people didn't expect as much from this year, but Cousins, um, has been good every single week this year. That Vikings offense is a lot better than people were giving it credit for coming into the year. Um, it feels like the only players they go at are um, Jefferson and Thielen, if you watch them, but it works every time. They've got a great running attack to go along with it, and that's really all you need. And so Cousins has been consistently over 20 points every game so far this year. So if you're looking for a guy that you need to pick up to fill in a game for your injured quarterback or for um, for a guy that hasn't been performing well for you, I think he's a really safe option. And then Emmanuel Sanders, um, with Stephon Diggs not getting um, a ton of targets to start the year, um, Sanders has stepped up as well into a role that uh, most people didn't see him in. He's, he's had a really good first couple of weeks. And so with that Bills offense exploding like it did last week and really coming back into its own, I think he's also a good person to look at to see um, if he's still available in your leagues. Yeah, we did a good job of kind of going opposite ways is that, you know, you talked about some of the veteran players and Kirk Cousins has been putting up numbers like the Vikings offense is good. And, you know, they've got some different weapons this year with I think KJ Osborne has kind of, you know, been a surprise. And obviously Thielen and Jefferson are, you know, you know, stalwarts in fantasy for a long time now, but He's a serviceable backup quarterback and even starting quarterback at some point. So, you know, look for those guys who weren't projected to be as good when you were drafting and now have kind of panned out. And we didn't really talk about this uh, in our first episode, but trading, you know, this is a time we need to start thinking about trading. And I guess my, my suggestion for audiences would be, um, you know, look for those players who were they were supposed to be good and you maybe drafted them higher and they just, you can tell they're not going to pan out and try to trade them for one of those lower name players who have way outperformed their ADP. And what I'm thinking of is because I'm trying to, I shouldn't be telling you this, but I'm trying to swing this right now, a way to do this. Mike Williams has been like absolutely going off this year and he was not even, I know he wouldn't be drafted that high. And so I want to get rid of like my Robert Woods and go get Mike Williams. And so look for players like that who are, you know, at the top of the fantasy, uh, 
you know, points this year and trade some of those maybe your bigger names, even though it's difficult to do that. And in the end, you'll end up winning. Yeah, I think that transitions well into our like surprises and disappointments segment to end on here. Like I've got two guys listed for each. And one of the guys I had listed as a, as a surprise was Mike Williams. Um, I think there's an interesting background on that, which is that Joe Lombardi, who was the Saints offensive coordinator, is now the offensive coordinator um, for the Chargers. And in the past, we've seen Mike Williams really just be more of a deep ball role. And so he was always a more of a boomer bust guy. He would maybe get one big catch, and that would lead to a really long touchdown where you get a ton of points. And then other weeks, he would have two catches for 30 yards, and you would have you'd be disappointed from his output. Um, but now that Joe Lombardi is there, um, he's used to having Michael Thomas, which is a big-bodied receiver that goes over the middle and makes contested catches. And while Keenan Allen is still the best receiver on that team, Mike Williams has been used so far in that Michael Thomas role that Joe Lombardi has brought with him from the Saints. And that's led to him being targeted way more than he was last year. And with the development of Herbert as well, this looks to be something that could be sustainable as he is in a completely new role within a new offense. So I don't think this is just luck. I don't think this is just early season performance that will fade. Um, obviously, he's probably not going to put up like 25 points a game for the rest of the season. But I think this is fairly sustainable and he could end up being one of the top wide receivers of this year. And I'm very irritated with myself that I didn't target him um, coming into the season. Yeah, it you know, he's a guy that has all the talent in the world, but just hasn't seen it. And so it's hard to project like when you don't know what an offense is going to suddenly decide to, you know, go to him and Herbert, he might be Herbert's favorite receiver. Now, uh, another surprise for me is how the Falcons have used Cordero Patterson. And he's now very fantasy relevant because he catches a lot out of the backfield and they're running him some. And so if you're like a, a team that you need like a flex a flex player to have, a, you know, have a decent running back, get you maybe 15 points a game. Somebody like Cordero Patterson has, has been a huge surprise and is a good waiver wire target, especially in smaller leagues. Um, and he's he's been picked up a lot that I've seen. Yeah, that's apologies to Mike Davis owners. That is very frustrating that he is getting a lot more uh, run than than uh, Cordero is. But, yeah, he's, he's been a good option so far. It feels like he always does this where he pops up for four or five weeks, produces really well, and then sometimes fades off. But especially now if you're looking for a back to add and some of your guys are out, I think he's a really good add. Yeah. Um, the, next, the next guy that I have for um, a surprise, my second surprise, is Jamar Chase. Um, so far to start the year, he's put up 21 points, uh, 13.4, and then 23. And there was so much concern about him coming into the year. I know we mentioned it on our week one recap, how he did look solid in his first week. Um, all the drop stuff, all of the not being able to see the ball well, it, none of that seemed to matter. In the same way in college, um, he's on those go routes. He finds a way to get separation at the end of it. Um, even though he doesn't have that top end speed and goes up and makes a contested catch. He's been able to translate that to the NFL level. Um, and that connection with Joe Burrow obviously has sustained itself in the NFL. Um, so th this guy looks to be um, the number one target on the Bengals. Obviously there's other guys as well. Tyler Boyd um, is, is still a good option, but Chase looks to be Burrow's favorite target early on. And um, I'm excited that he's panned out so far as a rookie because there was a lot of concern for him coming into the year. Yeah, I think we've seen that college connection, you know, 
translate right into the NFL where they're so familiar with each other and what they're good at that, you know, he's hitting chase on a lot of the same routes that they, they had in college, which is, you know, it's, it's easy to, you know, just jump right back into that when you played like they did in college and had as much success as they did. So I think that's a, that's a really good surprise. And I think we've seen in general, a lot of these lower wide receivers have now jumped into the, that top class as far as fantasy value. And I've been actually, this goes along with the disappointment is I don't necessarily have a lot of these guys, but people like Hopkins or DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs and, uh, you know, some of those top wide receivers have had kind of disappointing years to this point. Like Hopkins has not had a great season compared to like some of the other wide receivers on this team have finally started getting used. Same for Diggs. They just have so many weapons. And so it's really import- important to try to go find yourself a second wide receiver that has been uh, as productive as those and can be as productive as those. Yeah, absolutely. I'm transitioning into that, um, into one of the disappointments, like a wide receiver you were talking about for me is Tyree Kill. Um, he, I'm not, I, I think he's still just as good as he ever has been, but we saw in week one, he had 37.1 points. And then the next two weeks, he's had 5.9 and 9.7, which is not what you're looking from from a number one wide receiver. And what we've seen in those two games, the Ravens decided to do this um, originally. The Ravens in the past have had really a really hard time against the Chiefs because the Ravens love to play man-to-man. And they still did that a good amount against the Chiefs. But what they decided was, we're doubling Tyree Kill every single play. We're just not going to let him beat us. We're going to make them dink and duck down the field and hit other receivers. And the Holmes did that well. Obviously, they still put up, I believe, 35 points. But it ended up helping them slow down the offense enough to let the, let the Ravens offense go win the game for them. And, and we saw that last week again with the Chargers. They are completely shifting the defense over to cover Tyree Kill. And this seems to, if, if the Chiefs keep losing, I don't see why teams are not going to keep using that as a formula to stop them. So look for guys like some of the other receivers, Hardman, Pringle. They'll pro- they're probably going to get more targets. Um, but, and obviously Kelsey is going to absorb a lot of those as well. Um, but right now he feels very boomer bust because he's very scheme dependent based on what the other defense is going to come out and decide to do. And it's almost as if his strength is working against him because he's so good that teams are shifting their entire defense to cover him. So I, I do think that he'll still have some good games later on. I don't think every team is just going to come out and double him, but especially with some of the better, smarter teams like the Ravens and the Chargers having some success doing it, um, I do think he's going to receive a lot more defensive attention than he maybe has in years past. Yeah, and you brought up a really good point is that you know fantasy is so scheme-dependent for these teams and what they've decided to move towards. And in this case, it's what the defenses are doing to the Chiefs. And Tyree Kill, the deep balls haven't been there as much. And even, I think, one of the, his better weeks was basically a broken play where Mahomes you know, was just like, ah, Tyreek's down there somewhere. And he throws it yeah. up, and then you know the defender's not really paying attention, and he ends up getting like a 70-yard touchdown. But in the flow of the game, he has not been that successful. Luckily for me, I have Travis Kelsey. And he's, you know, been able to benefit from that because he's the top target now. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's those wide receivers at the top, I think, are so good that defenses have, have tried to take them away. And it's opened up some of the fantasy value for a lot of these second and third wide receivers. And I think I'll, I'll move into one of my disappointments, and it goes along with Tyree Kill is that he's been so important to this offense for a while, is Alvin Kamara. And I know that sounds weird because you said they've ran the ball well, but fantasy-wise, he has not been valuable. He finally just got over uh, 20 points for the first time. He went 18-7-20, and which is okay for PPR, but not great. 
And it's because that passing value is has diminished a lot. And like you said, Jameis is barely in the 100-yard category. And so just Kamara is not a guy who's just going to get a ton of yards running. And he's not like a goal line back necessarily. He, he has had games where they've given him a lot of rushing touchdowns. But he's been really disappointing this year as a fantasy player overall because of um, just the, the passing value hasn't been, as, hasn't been there. Yeah, I think it, it was hard to measure this, but Drew Brees, his loss of arm strength, I think may have been Kamara's most valuable fantasy asset because Drew Brees was in such a habit of continually checking down to Kamara. He got so many points off just those short receptions, and then he's also talented enough to take those and break a few tackles, get 10, 15 yards on those catches. Um, and that's not going to be the type of offense they run as much with Winston because he has more of an ability to push the ball down the field. And so with that, uh, running a little more play action, probably that also leaves him in as a blocker more often. So his opportunity has just not been the same this year. I, I would still look for him to get a little more back on track um, than he has, but yeah, you're right. It's, um, it's been, it's been a, a lot more difficult for him to get that receiving output so far. Um, and then the last, the last disappointment I have, which we don't have to spend too much time on this one because we talked about him a little bit earlier, but uh, Justin Fields, I saw a lot of projections of him in the top 12 um, as a top 12 quarterback coming into this week just because of his ability to run. And I do think that he has that potential, but with Nagy's offense, it really scared me off from wanting to pursue him just because I don't trust them to use him in the correct way. He, the, the Bears offense had one net passing yard, one. Like if you subtracted all of the sacks from their passing yards, they have one yard. So that's just not a recipe for success. That's not what you're looking for in mean, fantasy. I believe Fields was held under four points. Um, and so I, until I see Nagy make an adjustment um, in order to use Fields more with his feet and ability to move around, um, I'm really scared of pursuing him. They also have already said Andy Dalton is the starter when he returns. So um, this is a guy in fantasy that I would not, not want to touch, touch at all. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what you were talking about. It's just scheme dependent. Like Nagy does not seem to want to give that offense over to Justin Fields, and for fantasy value, that's unfortunate because he's not using him, uh, you know, as he w- as he should as far as strengths go and running the ball. Yeah. And so that fantasy value just diminishes when you're not going to tr- change your offense for him. Um, and so yeah, I think you know it, our fantasy tips should be you know look for players that are filling in for people who are injured. Um, you know, kind of what we've hit on. Look for those players who weren't drafted as high but are now panning out and are taking the place of a lot of those higher draft picks. And then finally, look for people who have good schemes, um, you know, that are in good offenses that fit them. And, you know, those are the where you're going to get the most value. I do want to end today's episode on what we got right, though, because we did get we did get a good bit right. And I want to shout me, you, and John out about what we called – you know, something that I think that it looked bad week one, but has now kind of panned out for you is you said Mike Jasicki was a, good, a breakout tight end. I think he was tight end. I might be wrong, but he might have been tight end one this last week. He had 10 catches for 86 yards so in PPR. I think he might have been tight end one. And then, you know, I said something about Tyler Lockett. He had a bad game last week, but broke out the first two weeks. Um, and we mentioned even our quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Stafford, have looked really good. So, you know. We do know what we're talking about a little bit, and a lot of the ones that we mentioned as being, um, you know, bust. You mentioned Najee Harris being a bust. Not looked very good. Now he had like 14 catches this past week, which is just insane. But um, you know, the offensive line is terrible, and so you know, if you if you um, 
haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. Because if you have one of those players, you might want to look either to keep them on your team or go trade for them or get rid of the bust that we called. So I definitely think, you know, that's... <laughs> I think maybe we're, we do know a little bit more about fantasy than we think. <laughs> yep. No, that was the, the Najee one that to me stands out just because John was on board, I was off board, and we've kind of both been right so far. The offensive line has been horrible. He hasn't run for any yards, but they've thrown the ball short enough because of Big Ben not being able to throw the ball down the field that last week he had a ton of catches. So um, I'm interested to see, especially as um, a quarterback controversy may start to unfold, if, if that offensive line can't get any better and then Big Ben comes out and they're, they have a new quarterback, I'm interested to see how that adjustment may look for him. Yeah, and they're going to have to get a lot of stuff figured out uh, in in general on that offense. Yep. Uh, so that's going to do it today for our NFL in-depth uh, kind of discussion. We'll definitely continue to talk about it, as I said, as the playoff picture comes more into effect. But we've got some other big sports uh, coming up. Obviously, the MLB playoffs are, are about to begin. Uh, the NBA season is going to be beginning soon, so we're going to have a, a kind of a more in-depth look of that. Uh, but Sully, thanks again for joining me. Really enjoyed it, and we'll look to continue to have you on. And thanks once again for listening, uh, especially what we've talked about today. Give me your input on some of the NFL takeaways, on some of your overreactions if you agree with us, uh, and then also some fantasy players as well. So thank you once again for listening. Thanks, for Sully, for coming on, and we'll see you next time.